Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is episode 128. Uh, today, we're going to kind of uh, <clears throat> go outside of our normal comfort zone with the uh, unexplained homicides and disappearances. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sports and a lot of the emotional uh, disorders we we have seen appear over the last uh, year or so. Um, you know, like anything else, you know, life is... In today's society, anyway, is very complicated. We are we are stressed out almost about everything. To be honest with you, I mean, I, I can't remember. Work is stressful. Uh, bills are stressful. Home life is sometimes stressful. Trying to get to where you need to be in life is stressful. Competing with other people is stressful. Well. Today we're going to be doing a um, a quick overview of a, a basketball player named, uh, renamed anyway, uh, Bison Deli. Uh, he had a very unique life as a, a basketball player. Uh, his father was a member of the Platters. And we will talk all the way up to the point where he uh, actually disappears and it is suspected that he is probably deceased at this time. Um, he was born uh, Brian Williams. <clears throat> uh, he had walked away in 1977. Uh, he had played for the uh, NBA. Uh, he had literally... Uh, walked away from a $36 million uh, career, and on July uh, 7th or 8th of 97, uh, disappeared uh, off the uh, coast of uh, Tahiti. At this point, uh, I have to go a little farther into some of my notes, but... Uh, it was basically considered a homicide. You know, his, uh, they actually have a family member as, um, was as a possible interest. At the time of his, his uh, alleged passing, he was um, 33 years old. Yeah, and this is, you know, people don't understand, you know, you think when you become famous that things change, you know, the, influx of money makes life easier and it does but it also brings on these complications money brings on complications of everything uh if you've ever heard this the the song not, not the song excuse me the, the saying um the more money you have the more problems you have well you know what that's pretty much uh pretty much on on the money to be quite honest with you um, Bison was actually born Brian Williams in 1969. Um, uh, 
you know, he was propelled into a life of fame with his father being uh, Eugene Williams. He was a singer uh, in the second uh, re-edition of the popular group um, Platters, which, um, you know, pretty popular band, 60s and 70s. Um, he was born in uh, Fresno, California. Uh, and he, like his um, uh, brother um, Kevin, all, you know, they were used to the nomadic type of lifestyles popular people have, you know, traveling from here to there, being shuttled. Uh, the parents were eventually divorced, uh, and again, uh, they were uh, shuttled, you know, all over the place. Um Bison had uh, grown up to, physically had grown to about six foot ten, and he was a star at the uh, Santa Monica High School, where he eventually chose to pursue a basketball uh, basketball uh, career. Uh, eventually, uh, landing in the University of Maryland, earning Rookie of the Year uh, in the Atlantic uh, Coast Conferences before transferring after the season in '88 to uh, University of uh, Arizona. I have to I have to keep checking my notes to make sure I got the dates because he he did a lot of traveling around. Uh, he had played with the uh, Wildcats in uh, Tucson for two years. Uh, in his uh, junior year, which would have been about, uh, let's see, 90, 91. Uh, he was noticed by the NBA scouts and general managers, uh, earning the all-pack uh, 10 honors by averaging 14 points and 78 uh, rebounds per game. Uh, you know, so here's a, here's a, uh, a man with a skill, you know, uh, a, 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 a real talent. Um, but within that, Brian, uh, you know, suffered from uh, depression. I mean, you know, in, in life, you know, we, we all go through depressions. I mean, there's none of us that are depression-free in our lives, and anybody that says that they do either has, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know what would bring you to a point of not, not having to deal with depression. I mean, let's face it, everybody deals with depression. Rich people, Average people, suburban people, uh, you know, priests. Every everybody deals with depression. I mean, it's just just the way it is. Um, you know, and his depression had you know followed him through his career. Uh, he was actually uh, Williams was diagnosed with clinical depression, and one of the first publicized incidents of mental health depression issued as an NBA player, which really means that Williams was even a forefront of these uh, these athletes now uh, claiming to have mental health and, and mental health issues and depressions. But he he was he was kind of the first individual that was actually noticed for uh, having this. Uh, you know, and despite his struggles, he remained a consistent uh, player in the league. Uh, Played uh, two seasons in Orlando before uh, being traded to Denver in '93, uh, I believe it was. Two seasons with the Nuggets. He was traded to Los Angeles Clippers in uh, in or about I think '95, '96. His average was about 15 
15 points uh, a game and 7.6 assists a game. Uh, in 97, the Chicago Bulls, uh, you know, um, with, with Michael Jordan fully uh, back from his brief retirement, um, winning seven good games, um, the Chicago Bulls were about to rebuild well, rebuild their team. And although they were aware that uh, there were some, you know, issues with, with Williams, they they took him they took him in, and uh, in 76, 90, 97, you know uh, they was they had already uh, employed uh, Dennis Rodman, and you know they all uh, they all accepted him for you know with with the con, you know with the condition he had. I mean you know listen, none of them are perfect. Um, He signed with the Bulls. I think I believe it was in April. Uh, he had nine uh, regular season uh, with them, and I just wanna and and here we're here's where we're gonna be coming where the money itself doesn't really um, money solves some things, but not not really a lot. Up until that point, he was still using his uh, birth name Brian Williams in. 98, he had legally changed uh, his name to Bison uh, Deli uh, in honor of his uh, Cherokee ancestry and uh, first person from his mother's side of the family uh, to be enslaved. I'm not sure exactly what that meant, the way it was written, but um, uh, you know, after that point, there were several um, psychological changes which had occurred. Um, you know, uh, one of the biggest uh, shockers was that um, 98, with a with a game average of 16.2 and uh, 89 rebounds, uh, people had thought that. Uh, he had found his true uh, true potential with the NBA. Uh, after playing uh, 49 games the following season, uh, the teammates began to notice some uh, abnormal behavior. Uh, they reported in one instance uh, to the New York Times, actually, uh, he had to be restrained by uh, Piston teammates from attempting to open the emergency uh, door on the team's uh, plate uh, airplane while it was uh, while it was actually in flight. So you can see the um, you know the um, psychological changes uh, starting to turn into physical uh, actions at that time. Um, at that time. Uh, you know, he had been probably worth, had kind of a worth of about $36 million. Um, he had left, he had left the, uh, he left, he had left the, the NBA uh, after that. And uh, he started to actually 
do some soul searching, you know. Um, I mean, in about 2000, we had settled uh, in Tahiti and had bought a 55-foot uh, catamaran called the uh, Hukuna Mate, the, uh, the famous fragrance from, uh, let me see, the film, oh, The Lion King, <laughs> The Lion King, okay. So that's what it was. Um, on July 6th, uh, he had um, got onto the catamaran in uh, Tiki Harbor, uh, town of, uh, I can't even spell the town, so I'm not even, I, I can't even pronounce it. Uh, he, was, he was actually uh, going to attempt to uh, navigate through uh, the shores of Hawaii. On board uh, was his brother Ke Kevin. Uh, Changed his name to Miles uh, DeBoard. Uh, Dell's girlfriend, uh, Shanera uh, Car Carland, and Bert Ransaldo, the boat's captain. Um, now, according to the boat's log, log, about 48 hours later, which would have bring us to what, about July 8th? All communications with the boat, boat uh, ceased. What actually took place on the boat will never be known. Uh, and the mystery of his disappearance had, had basically started. Uh, what was known at the time uh, his girlfriend Erica Wise. Uh, there, there were fam there were family tensions. I mean, a lot of stuff was going on. Um, you know, there had been uh, typical, you know, typical family. Um, farther down the line on July 16th, witnesses reporting seeing a man fighting, oh, fitting DeBoer's description, his brother's description, uh, guiding a 55-foot catamaran into uh, Fainton Bay Marina in uh Vago, which I, which I believe is in Tahiti's southern shore. The boat had been uh, renamed and re-registered as the uh, Arabella. Okay, so that's, you, you know, okay, so, you know, within, within that short period of time, uh, you know, it had been apparent that alterations had uh, been made to the exterior of the boat, basically disguise it. Uh, the lettering that had been peeled out originally uh, had been replaced, removed. Uh, you know, it, it was just that that the bolt, the bolt outer surface had been, uh, you know, let's just say, changed for whatever purpose. And there was no cause for really alarm because you got to realize um, some of those areas. Although we wouldn't consider them remote areas, uh, a person like uh, Bison Dell uh, wouldn't really have noticed. Um, you know, they say because of this no nomadic off the uh, grid lifestyle, there was no alarm sounded for the first few weeks because they just expected that you know they were just under the impression that he had uh, been. I don't know, moving around, but 
I mean, the first thing that would have set my flags off was the, the, the alteration of the boat. I mean, why, why are you going to, um, you know, um, why would you, um, why, why would you change a boat that you just bought? You wouldn't. So, you know, there it goes. Uh, but, but then again, this is also a guy that just walked away from a $36 million career five years earlier. Uh, September 5th, uh, a man claimed to be Brian Williams walked into a certified mint, a Phoenix area coin shop. I'm not sure what a certified mint is. Uh, the man had in his possession Brian Williams' passport and credit cards. A month earlier, the man had contacted the mint in an attempt to purchase $500,000 worth of gold. Let's see what it says here. The man said he was Brian Williams, a former NBA star who changed his name to Bison uh, Deli. The deal, the deal with the coin shop was negotiated during a, fi a $500,000 um, deal and a check uh, from one of, one of Brian uh, Williams' bank accounts was sent to the Mint where it was deposited and cleared. Okay, so this is, I think, where things started going bad. Inherently, there's always a problem. Dell's bank thought there was something odd about the check, and they contacted uh, Delhi's financial advisor, Kevin uh, Porter, and explained the problem. The address on the check had been, uh, had been changed, directed to a mail, uh, mailbox incorporated addressed in Miami. There was also a different phone number. Porter called it and listened to the voice message. Now, if you look at the the check itself, I'm looking at a copy of the check. It definitely does not look... It looks somewhat altered. Um... So, you know, so basically what, what, that, what had happened was somebody had used his ID because apparently, according to the individual working at the bank and the coin shop, that the, uh, it did not, uh, the physical features did not describe uh, or portray any features, physical features of uh, Brian Williams. But it did match um, Brian's brother, Kevin, who had changed his name, as we mentioned before, to Miles DeBoer. Uh, it was also DeBoer whose voice was heard on the answering machine uh, by... Um, by Brian's uh, financial advisor. You know, uh, the, the story continues to get uh, financially complicated, you know, and that's, that's, that's another problem with big money. When big money comes into play, uh, you find your family members may sometimes be a little less than... Uh, a little less trustful, you know. Um, uh, 
his brother Kevin, uh, like I said, his last name was uh, DeBoers, uh, would tell Weiss uh, a hearing tale of what he said had actually occurred on the boat and uh, why he was the only one still stand, standing on it when he arrived in uh, Morea. It was a story that DeBoer uh, told Weiss who feared no one would ever believe her, I guess. <clears throat> I I have told everything I, I know about this, Weiss uh, would later tell a reporter from the Los Angeles Times. I'm an open book to stories, she said. DeBoer replayed to her, <clears throat> filled with uh, mayhem, violence, and death. Okay, so <clears throat> we're starting to get a little closer to the, uh, the truth. Uh, according to the, her statement, a, a fight broke out on the boat between the two brothers. One is 6'10", the other uh, the other brother is 6'8". During the ensuing struggle, according to uh, Kevin, uh, one of the girls attempted to break the two brothers up and was accidentally knocked to the deck by uh, Brian, hitting her head on the boat, dying from the injury. Uh, Despite the accident with the girl being deceased, the fight between the two brothers apparently raged on after uh, boat's captain, uh, whose last name was Saldo, uh, told two brothers that the boat must return to the port and the death of uh, the female passenger reported to authorities. Uh, Kevin said that uh, Dell responded by uh, killing the captain by beating him with a wrench. Okay, well, you know, that's that's why you don't go on any boat trips with family members. Um, so, so what I make out of this thing is, uh, you know, whether that was a scenario or what, um, there was a, a, a gun on the, on the boat. So basically what happened was in, in his, his statement to the girlfriend or uh, what, yeah, his girlfriend, I think at the time, uh, Kevin, I'm not going to use, um, I'm not going to continue using their, their fake second names. Uh, Kevin uh, took his brother Brian's gun and shot his brother, killing him in self-defense. Um, <clears throat> I don't know so much if I believe that. You know, he claims that everything was self-defense, but <clears throat> in the world of self-defense, you don't throw the bodies overboard and uh, attempt to uh, change the physical description of the boat <clears throat> and then attempt to steal your brother's money out of his account. Um, so I don't think I believe, you know, The boat was later found, and it did uh, show uh, signs of bullet holes, which meant that I'm sure the brothers probably shot everybody on board. It probably just wasn't one person. It was probably all of them. Uh, the brother eventually fled to Mexico, and uh, at that which at that time the, uh, the 
uh, girlfriend, Weiss, contacted the uh, Sonoma County Sheriff's Department who turned turned uh, the, the case over to the FBI because it was over it was inter international international waters. Um, You know, um, you know, so here we have three people, uh, three people lost for over money. Um, and You know, I'm trying, because of, uh, you know, it's hard to, in some cases, um, you know, track down um, evidence in a situation like that where the boat has been occupied so many times over again. And, uh, you know, it just, um, And there were statements that the, the two brothers were as uh, different as two sides of a coin, which I guess in, uh, it was kind of a Cain and Abel story. Um, you know, uh, I'm just trying to figure out if they, if they had ever. Uh, Taken Kevin into custody. So there is no final conclusion about his brother uh, Kevin's uh, status right now, whether he was captured or if he's still on the run. If he's in Mexico, he could be on the run for quite a while. But, you know, here, here we. Here we have an individual who, um, like many other individuals in life, suffer from mental health illnesses. Uh, and no matter how much money you have, there's certain things that you can't buy in life. And unfortunately, Brian wasn't able to buy his mental health, and it was was unable to suppress his brother's. Uh, jealousy. Um, I just thought this was an interesting um, an article. Not that I, I, I don't really watch sports, football, or uh, basketball. I just found that the nature of it was somewhat insidious. More sad than insidious, I guess. Uh, you know, you have these young people that are, you know, have, have life in the palm of their hands, and because of you know, did certain disorders, it, you know, it just becomes uh, more stress than they can handle. And, you know, let's face it, I mean, you've seen that even at the Olympics. You know, over the past couple of years, people are just, uh, the pressure, the pressure is just, uh, just beyond the point that they can hold. And, and the problem with that is, 
is when things like this would happen in the past, they went on. You know, they went unreported, especially to the media, because the media has its way of um, putting its own slant on things, good, bad, or indifferent. But, um, you know, I thought this case was worth uh, worth putting out there. I am Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is episode 128. And just remember, if you are in a dark place, a dark room, a dark building, the back of a dark car, or in a dark parking lot, and you hear footsteps coming up from behind you, you better A, know where the door is, or at least a window, and then ask yourself, what the hell are you doing there, and then run like hell. Until the next episode, I will see you then.